everyone's searching for this uh, elusive butterfly called happiness. Um, and what we're just talking about is just uh, gratitude for the things you got. And I think that's the uh, the path towards happiness. Do I do a good job out of it? What's up, everybody? Armand here. Almost forgot my name. Back with another episode. Today's guest, we have Steve Walker. This was such an awesome episode. We talked so much. We had a bunch of crazy topics. We talked about surfing, uh, your shadow side, and when you should let that out, finding happiness through sacrifice, and partying at SDSU. We cover the full range of topics. And again, I had so much fun with this one. I learned a ton. He gives very actionable advice on how to find yourself and how to be yourself. Uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode of the, the Play Hard Podcast. Work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard. You want me to talk them into it or talk them out of it? Whatever your experience is. Depends on who I'm talking to. Half I would, ninety percent I would talk out of it. The other, the other ones would get yeah. fired up. Without further ado, Steve, what's up? How's it going? How you doing today? Doing great. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. That's right. Uh, this is Steve Walker, who's the CEO and owner of TB Consulting, and he's a SDSU grad, so he knows how to party, and he also loves surfing and playing guitar. Steve, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Only three more days till Monday. That's right. And then the week starts all over again. <laughs> so absolutely. How how did you end up getting getting into TB consulting and, and what's kind of like your journey there? Oh man. How far back in uh down memory lane do you want to walk? Wherever the heart goes. All the way back? All right. So when I was six. Uh <laughs> Uh, so I'll, I'll add some uh, some context to that question, you know, and I, uh, you know, for the for your demographic, you know, I'll, I'll go back to uh, you know forty two now, so I'll go back to the uh, the golden years, you know, post San Diego State, and and kind of weave that uh, into the mix. As I'm sure lots of people aren't sure what they want to do when they grow up, which I'm still trying to figure out. That's for sure. So, um. So I went to San Diego State, like you mentioned, which you're right. It was pretty fun. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Snapdragon uh, first game. It's coming up here in, in what, eight days? So uh, San Diego State football uh, season opener at our new stadium. a fancy Super new stadium, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be there. I'll see you there. Um, <laughs> so I went to San Diego State, uh, liberal studies major. Uh, and history major, which is a whole lot of uh, nothing, right? Uh, so I should be a, a middle school history teacher, um, you know. But uh, living uh, in San Diego, I couldn't figure out how to afford to live in San Diego as a as a middle school history teacher. Uh, so and I, uh, I was making just as much. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> making just as much money as a back waiter at the catamaran and teaching surf lessons. Minus so, tips. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Um, living in a room with like uh, uh, two other dudes in a house with uh, eight other dudes. So I wasn't quite sure how to uh, make that work. So uh got into sales, 
as uh, that that's really the only position I would get hired for. Uh, no one else wanted to hire me for anything else. So I uh, started making cold calls, uh, trying to, you know, this is the 2003-ish height of the mortgage boom, uh, the subprime mortgage boom that uh, caused the recession. Um, but I didn't get into mortgages. I, I, I was uh, I was selling mortgage websites to mortgage companies, um, making 300 dials a day. And anybody that wants to be an entrepreneur, I highly recommend that you sit in a boiler room because there is nothing that can emulate being an entrepreneur like uh, sitting in a boiler room because it is just a, uh, a a crotch kick for 10 hours a day, every single day. And, and that that will test your fortitude. If you got the uh, if you got the rhino skin for that, I would say give entrepreneurship a shot. Because if you can't take lots and lots of no's, this is not the life for you. Um, <laughs> so uh, I promise I'll weave this in. Uh, I'll get to the point. No, this is great. So making cold calls, making cold calls, um, realizing that uh, I'm pretty good at putting the pain in my pocket and just making cold calls and, and Smiling through the whole thing as a tear rolls down my face every day. Yeah. Smile and uh, dial. A smile and dial with a tear rolling down your uh, crow's feet. So smiling and dialing. Um, you know, my favorite ones were the ones that hung up because I get to I get to call them back and say, I think we got disconnected. <laughs> I so, do that too. <laughs> <laughs> smiling and dialing. All of a Knowing sudden, damn hear, well you didn't get disconnected. Oh, yeah, because, you know, that was back when uh, there was no cell phones. You could actually hear the phone clickety-clack before it it disconnects. So I hear a clickety-clack disconnect. I smile. I call them right back and say, oh, man, I think we got disconnected. You should check with your IT team on that. He's like, nope, I hung up on you. And I was like, hey, buddy, listen, open up your right-hand drawer, grab that bottle of whiskey, Pour yourself a glass, and while you're doing that, you're going to give me 30 seconds, and I'm going to give you the best pitch of your life. He said, "How do you know what? How did you know I had whiskey in my right hand drawer?" So, uh, I gave him the best pitch of my life. Turns out that was the guy that I uh, just took over the company from uh, huh. back in January. Full circle. Um, oh yeah, and uh, you know I. Reflecting back on that, there's a, there's a few life lessons around grit and, and uh, perseverance and don't give up, uh, yada, yada, yada. I'm sure there's a poster that could uh, articulate it more effectively on Amazon.com. But, yeah, so long story short, uh, you know, sold that guy a, a mortgage website. Turns out he also owned an IT company. Um, and uh, we worked together on... Uh, on a few things and uh about eight years ago uh joined him and uh came on board to take over tbc and it was really a three-year plan so eight years later so everything takes twice as long as as you want it to yeah. uh that thing is uh is a hundred percent accurate it was uh just about two times as long as we thought it would take um you know so uh yeah, it's it's a super fun industry right i i've uh you know, I had I had three older brothers, which also plays into the whole uh, grit thing because there's nothing like getting punched by three older brothers to really yeah. uh, toughen you up and 
help you with your emotional uh, uh, burying like three older brothers, um, which I should probably go see a therapist about at some point. But, uh, you know, it's it's a fun industry. It's It's been a fun ride and uh, happy to dive into any other of the, of the of the past that could go down. But um, yeah, that's essentially how I got into TBC is, uh, you know, back in 2003, calling back a, a guy that hung up on me. Nice. That well, yeah, that's right. There is a whole story in grit. I know the, the old, I, I think we disconnected trick is every time I do it, I'm just like, this is funny. But um, the three older brothers. So were you like the cool kid growing up having older brothers? You were probably matured early. Uh man, I you know, I, I'm sure everyone uh, uh, chooses what they remember. So I like to think I was cool, um, but you know, it's uh, I I was relatively cool. How about that? I wasn't the homecoming uh, king or anything <laughs> noticed, like that. <laughs> I noticed that when you're the the youngest, the youngest brother. My youngest brother is cool as hell. I. I wouldn't have been friends with him if we were in high school together. But me being the oldest, <laughs> I was always like, I found out that Santa wasn't real. Sorry, kids. Uh, last, I always found like I was just the the oldest. So I got spoiled. Um, and I was the one where the parents were learning. But by the time you're the youngest, I feel like your parents are like, just go. Just go have fun. Go. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, you definitely get to see cool things. And and my older brothers were cool. And, I, you know, I think that's... Uh, uh, you're all it's funny I'm, I'm always trying to be good enough uh and and it's the uh it's the it's the it's the 10 year old steve that's trying to be good enough with uh brothers that are uh two years older eight years older and 10 years older so you know i think back in uh you know 1988 when i'm eight years old and my brother todd is uh wearing some sweet fluorescent yellow op shorts and uh, a tank top driving around in a white Carmagia, like you've never seen anything so cool in your life. Yeah. And, it, and you know, you'll never be that cool when you're eight. And he's 18 driving around with short shorts and a Carmagia with uh, some some bleached tips uh, and a mullet. It's like, man, that guy is cool. I'll never be that cool. Yeah, that just <laughs> screams Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> driving up the 101. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was green with envy. I could I couldn't do it. I had some chicken legs. Couldn't fill out those op shorts. So on to cold calling. You had a what sounds like a wonderful experience in into sales, and that's a, a little bit of how I got started with my current company. Uh, what What are some of the things? So you mentioned grit, but what are what are some of the things you learned through cold calling that has taken you on a journey and helped you out as ceo now like as leader of the company are you still making cold calls is it does it help with your relationships within the company what does that look like so you know i think the big takeaway with with cold calling is is really the well i'd say there's a couple of things but the the best part is that if you can get through it is it, it's about as humbling as it gets Right. And the humility, it, it's an important, it's an important life lesson. And, and cold calling is, is a humbling job. So I, I think it's important. You got to be humble. And, and cold calling is a very humbling thing because you get worked. And if you can get through that, 
uh, and still maintain a positive attitude. You know, that's really what it takes. Uh, and you can't get, you can't fake the hard work. You can't yeah. fake it because that is a statistics game. There's no two ways about it. So yeah. if, if you can get over the fact that it's just going to be hard and you're still excited about it, good for you. Like, because that's what it's going to take. And it's going to be lots and lots of no's and, and people won't believe in you. And people are going to tell you you're doing it wrong and you're going to get lots of naysayers. And, and, and that's just like cold calling. Lots of no's. Lots of people don't want to hear it. They don't want, you know. And so if you can, if you can believe in yourself and make that next aisle after 20 no's in a row and you can have that self-belief and, and put that in your pocket and just keep believing in yourself after all those no's, you know, I think you got a shot at it because that's really what it's going to take. You know, I think, I think the other thing that it does is it's like a rapid fire dating and, and dating's all about figuring out what lines don't work. Yeah. <laughs> what pickup <laughs> lines don't work. You know, I, I don't know if I'm smart enough to uh, come up with the best lines, but I can work through uh, a lot of bad ideas so I can figure out, you know, what, which one of my mediocre ideas actually yeah. does work. You know, you got to get through the, you got to get through the pickup lines that, that don't resonate. And, and at the end of the day, you know, just with cold calling and with, with business and, and relationships, it, it's about connection. So just cold calling someone and talking about features and, and uh, whatever the, the tool du jour that you're selling, people don't care. Yeah. Right? But if you can connect with someone on a personal level, that's, that's a ticket. And, you know, I'd say as a, as a CEO or as an entrepreneur, there's a few people that are smart enough to have their solution or their product or their business or whatever it is that they're, they're solving for the market or for uh, in their particular industry. And it might be so like earth shattering great that that is going to get them to the level of success they want. Yeah. But everybody else, and I'm in that everyone else bucket, it's really about emotional intelligence and it's your ability to connect with people and your ability to inspire people and and understand what they need and taking the time to connect right that's it's all about relationships and i i would say that you know half of my success has been because of my uh you know being dumb enough to stick with it and grit you know and the, the other half is emotional intelligence and the and the relationships that i've forged and you know the people that have helped me get here because of a genuine connection not a not a manipulation connection yeah. not a using people that smart people see through that real yeah. easy so if, if you can't have a genuine authentic connection because you care about people you know I, I, you're, you're gonna have a hard road trying to do this by yourself wow yeah there's there's a lot there the genuine connection is something that i believe very much so and I noticed that also while cold calling, some people would tell you that asking the person, how's your day going, doesn't work because they're like, most people are, are going to say, I don't care. Like, you don't care about their day. You don't care. But like, for me, I am was, I don't know, born a curious person. I actually do care about people in general. And when I ask, how's it going? It's not like I'm just trying to weave this into some sales pitch. Like, 
my philosophy on cold calling was always your goal is to get to the next conversation. Your goal is not to pitch them your product. Your goal is not to like, that's what the SE is for. Like my goal was always to build a relationship and say, Hey, what are your problems? How can I help out with them? Pass them along to the expert who can. Um, and part of that, yeah, is getting to know them on a, on a deeper level. And then as for the, the trying new lines, totally agree that that's why people say cold calling is a numbers game. It's not because it's you just pump more numbers out and things magically happen. It's you need to try and test so many different things. And then you you have, again, like dating, you got your old reliable, you got the stuff that you know works, but then you want to try other stuff. Um, and that's, that's just a, a really great thing. And on the last thing, it's a very humbling job. Very humbling. I noticed that things switch in your brain when you take your ego out and realize it's not about you. They're not hanging up on you. They're not hanging up on your company. They're hanging up on some random person taking time out of their day on the phone. And that it's it's a tough thing to internalize. But at the end of the day, it's it is very humbling. You realize to take yourself out of it and rejection doesn't sting as much when you realize it's not you. Yeah, you're, you're you're evoking your inner Brene Brown there, so it's yeah. It, if you can if you can separate and bifurcate between you know that what happens and you, that's a that's a a freeing concept, right? Yeah. It, it, what happens to you? It, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that that happened. Yeah. And you, and if you can if you can distinguish between those two things, and it's not easy, by the way, that's hard to do um, without becoming cynical, by the way, because that's, that's yes. a different path. That's a different path, you know, uh, but that's not a path towards happiness. So with, without becoming cynical and letting the, the stress of this whole experience and this whole journey, um, you know, you don't want to become a, a, a curmudgeon, <laughs> have early onset curmudgeon. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, no, I, we are, uh, we're violently aligned on that concept. Yeah. Brene Brown would say something along the lines of, uh, don't feel shame for it. Just take that out. Uh, uh but yeah. <laughs> you shame. did mention shame's a funny thing. It really is. You did mention uh, happiness a little bit. So what, what are some of the things you did along that very tough job that kept you positive and happy besides living in the sunny city of San Diego? Can't be upset. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, it's and yeah, let's let's stick the cold calling part, right? I you know, I I think that's uh, an, that's hard, right? And and at that point in my life, I was I was fairly young, right? So I have had more energy than I knew what to do with, right? And I didn't have a wife, I didn't have a family, right? So I had I had time, and mm. you know, while I was working you know, 10 hours a day, that still left a lot of time to, you know, hang out with my friends and go surfing and, and fill my bucket of fun up. Um, you know, and, and, that, and that's, that's great. And I think that that's much more manageable. And then, you know, you get to this point in your, in your life where, you know, taking over a company and, and trying to, ha you know, step up and, uh, and deal with that, that pressure and the amount of time it takes and the effort that it takes and the energy that it takes all while also having a wife who, um, you know, 
it's not fair to say need your time, right? They deserve your time and your family deserves your time. And, and so, you know, I think it gets, it gets more and more challenging because when you have your first child, your, your selfish self, that person dies, that person goes away. So you no longer get to, to be selfish. So, you know, and, and being an entrepreneur is, uh, you know, in and of itself, it's a fairly selfish path. Just because it requires so much of your mind, it requires so much of your soul and energy, you know, so navigating that dynamic, it, it, it can be tough. And, and it, and it's important that you take into consideration, you know, you need to make sure that you're filling your soul and you're, you're not sacrificing too much, right? Because I think that at the end of the day, you could lose sight as to why you're doing it and end up sacrificing too much to where, you know, you could be successful on the outside and successful to people that are looking at you, you know, but at some point, you know, you need to, you need to weigh the level of sacrifice and mostly in the sacrifice of time that it's going to take and the amount of yourself that you're going to have to give to this effort that you got to be cautious of, of the level of sacrifice you're going to make because you might, you're going to miss out on some of the best years of your life. And you if you prioritize work and, and success over, you know, the meaningful things in life, which is really your family and your friendships and your relationships and not just your, um, your wife and your children, but your parents and your brothers and, um, you know, really the, your best friends, you know, you get to use your family. You know, if you sacrifice too much, you, it's not worth it, right? Because yeah. you're, you're doing that so that you can take care of your family, n- not at the expense of your family. So I did not answer your question, but I think no, it's you important. No, you did. And it, from what I picked up, in a way, happiness is knowing what to sacrifice at what time. It's about managing sacrifice. Correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um you know, because this is not a sprint. You know, this is a this is a a couple marathons back to back to back. Yeah, it's, it's an ultra. It's an ultra marathon. So, you know, I, th- I think you'd be. Everybody thinks they want uh, they're going to start their company and they're going to be successful in a year, and you'd be shocked at how little you can get done in a year. You know, but if if you if you look at that in the context of a decade, and be patient. And sustained effort, you know, I think you'd be shocked at what you can get done. So this is not a, a one-year plan. This is a having a sustainable effort that, yeah. that is managing sacrifice, right? I think that's the, that's the ticket. And you mentioned a little earlier how things often take twice as long to accomplish. So what was the process like when you were taking over? Was supposed to take three years to closer to eight. How was it? kind of filling those shoes and filling into the role of CEO and owner of TBC? <laughs> you said process. I think you said process. Maybe I, maybe I wanted to hear process and uh, her process. Huh. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a, a clear cut <laughs> path and a nice process where I could tell everyone what to do and then do this next and do this next. You know, it's uh, it is a process to a certain extent, 
but it is a process that is constantly evolving and it's a lot of this isn't going to work. So therefore I've got to, I've got to change courses and a whole lot of course changes and a whole lot of problem solving and staring at the ceiling in the middle of the night to come up with the, with what I perceive as, as to be the correct path or the correct process. And, uh, and finding out that that ended up in a dead end. Hmm. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just, you know, I think the, the process is really just a, a whole lot of problem solving. And, you know, I think one of the things that I wish I'd have done better is that is ask for more help, you know? So yeah, I'm going to say it's not clear cut. And, and the, and I think the process is, is getting to work, testing your theories and reiterating. I think it's just a constant, uh, you know, that I'd boil it down to that process. Look at, look at the context of everything you're working with and see if it works. Make a decision and, and reiterate off that. And, and I think that the key is, is surrounding yourself with a bunch of people that are smarter than yourself that have done this before. And asking for their help, and I, and I and I had that right. I've been in Vistage for six, seven years, uh, and those people are way smarter than me, and have, have been through this and have read this book. Uh, and I wish I would have asked for more help sooner and, and more consistently. But you know, the, the funny thing is, is that the reason you don't ask for help is that you're not willing to be vulnerable, and that's uh, that. Damn yeah. ego. That damn ego is the reason that you're not asking for help is that you want people to think that you're doing all right because you're worried about what other people think, which we could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> it seems like one battle that you were fighting during this time was uh, imposter syndrome. Like you wanted, you wanted your team to know that you were, you knew what you were doing you were doing okay when really you did need the help. How, how did you kind of have you overcome that? How did you kind of get over that feeling? <laughs> I don't think you ever get over it. <laughs> I, um, you know, cause if you get over it, you could, you could, uh, cross that, uh, cross that line of being, uh, being arrogant. Um, uh, you know, yeah. so I think, I think it's a constant struggle and I think it's a healthy struggle. So I, I, I don't recommend that you get over it because it, it if you think you know it all, or if, if you don't, if, if you don't have imposter syndrome at all, you know, that it's, it, it's almost self-defeating, you know? So I, I recommend that you, that you keep, you have that healthy perspective um, and you stay humble and you, you stay nervous, you know, and, and you stay a little bit paranoid because that's, you know, that's what it takes is being a little bit paranoid and, and constantly uh, fighting that struggle. But, you know, I, I think once you understand that that that's the context of all the things that we're struggling with in our head and, and be able to understand what's happening, I think you can more effectively manage it. So I wouldn't recommend that you, you say I've done it. You know, this yeah. is a constant, this is a constant and being able to manage it effectively, I think is the objective. Cause as soon as you think that you've licked imposter syndrome, I think check that wrong. one off the list <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like bragging about being humble <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've never thought of that that's pretty great yeah I like that oh yeah you're super humble i'm uh, the most humble me. person i know 
that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you made you mentioned a great point of kind of knowing when it's happening and managing it. Do you have a uh, kind of like triggers or cues that help you know when you're getting stressed out? And does that kind of guide you towards managing that stress? Or does stress just kind of all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, I just realized like I'm really stressed out right now. Well, uh, there's going to be different, you know, I I wish it was that black and white, right? And I think there's going to be different times where you're going to have to deal with different levels of stress. And different levels of stress uh, cause you to to lose perspective. And, you know, there's going to be times where you've just got to become a monster and turn into a monster and get through that. And being able to have the wherewithal um, and, and holding yourself to this, this standard where I'm always going to be, you know, perfect and manage my stress and and be able to to deal with something that's very challenging and, and it's all consuming and pretend like you're going to be happy. You know, I think that's, that's just not accurate. You know, I think the key is, is, is understanding that that is not a sustainable place hmm. and you can only give uh, that hard for so long. And then you need to be able to recognize that and pull back. Right. And I think pulling back is the, is giving yourself the, the freedom and forgiveness to, to pull back uh, so that you can manage that so that you can get to a sustainable place um, or even pulling back to where it's not sustainable because you're not putting in enough effort because you do need to heal and you do need to take care of yourself. Right. I think it's, it's really more of that, or at least that's my perspective and people are uh, better at things than I am. And I'm better at things than other people. So, you know, that's, that's my perspective is, you just need to be able to recognize that and, you know, also forgive yourself uh, when you have to sacrifice more than you want to and get yeah. through that and get through that as quickly as you can become that monster that is unsustainable and then pull back uh, so that you can uh, not turn into a, uh, a narcissistic, crazy uh, a business owner that only thinks yeah. about themselves and is, is going to, and is willing to do anything to be successful, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to the extent where you're going to uh, use people and and sacrifice your your happiness and and the, the people you're sacrificing for. Yeah, I totally agree. Have you ever seen the movie War Dogs? Uh, uh, yeah, with Jonah Hill. Yeah, it reminds uh, yes. me of a part when right after Bradley Cooper just like beat up and kidnapped one of the main characters. And then he takes him to his penthouse and he says this quote that I thought was so cool because of how interesting it is. Uh, he said, I'm not a bad man, but in some situations I have to ask myself, what would a bad man do? And it's kind of uh, like the, you don't, you don't always let that monster out, but sometimes the business requires it and, and you just got to put in those like 16 long hour days and maybe more. And just keep grinding, keep working, knowing that, correct, it's not sustainable, but it's what's necessary right now, so long as you remember to pull it back. Yeah, I think I, I do like that. I like that quote. Um, I also like Bradley Cooper. He is uh, yeah. charming and good looking. I, uh, I, hope, I hope my wife and I never meet him. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, I, 
you know, it's funny. I, I like that. And I like this uh, topic. I think it's interesting. And I, you know, I, um, I grew up as a, a in a, uh, in a family that went to church a couple times a week. And, um, you know, I think there's some really good quotes in, in the Bible. And I think it's, uh, it's important to think about what those, um, verses mean, you know, um, the, the meek shall inherit the earth, right? I think that's one we all, we've all heard. And so, uh, you know, I'm also, you know, I talked about being a history buff as, as I went to San Diego state for that, even though it was completely useless and <laughs> thank you dad for, uh, letting me get another major that was not yeah. helpful <laughs> i just wanted to say at san diego state as long as i could and uh, try and become van wilder before that movie um you know but you know really the meek shall inherit the earth right and if we uh, meek is an interesting thing because it's not about being someone that's going to be ran over and someone that's going to be taken advantage of and just take it on on the chin every every chance you can get um you know but a meek a meek horse was uh, in Roman times, you know, there was such thing as a meek horse and a meek horse was ridden by, uh, you know, the the highest and most elite Roman soldiers and a meek horse uh, had, had been trained to the, you know, so, so much training that this horse with the rider on it, this horse was trained to run up to a person and stop or, trained to run over that person and kill that person right so it's not that the meek person should take it on the chin every single time but to be a monster but to be so well trained that that you could run up to the person and come this close without killing them or if it was required to run that person over and kill them you know so it's about being a monster and being in control of yeah of that monster inside of you so being a monster is is not good but understanding what it takes to get things done and being in control of that and and being aware and being able to apply it in particular situations you know yeah. that's that's a that's an interesting thought it's like in jungian psychology how your shadow side if you don't at least understand it or have some form of grip over it, it'll take over you in some way that you don't know or expect it to, uh, which is interesting. And it also reminds me of that one. I don't know which philosopher said this, but it was if you stare long enough into the void, it starts to stare back. <laughs> I think it was Nietzsche or something, but it's it's just another way of saying like that quote to me, what it means is if you let that side of you out for too long, it starts to stay. Yeah. And so, you, uh, again, it's back to being uh, self-aware, Yeah, which is, a, which is another very fascinating character trait, uh, which seems to be an elusive butterfly for most. <laughs> right. And and that requires you to have to deal with your inner demons. And, and, and you know, if, if you can control those, right, they're no longer inner demons, but they're assets. And if you can understand uh the context of what's happening and why it's happening and how to control that. Right. I think that's the ticket, you know, cause otherwise you lose yourself to that. And, and again, that's, you know, that's back to sacrifice. And if mm. it is a sacrifice to, to unleash the Kraken. And if you, you know, if you let the Kraken out, you know, that 
you know, it's a Pandora's box if you, if you don't understand how to how to put the Kraken back in the bottle. It's going to be some rough seas. <laughs> it causes chaos, <laughs> and and yeah, you don't you don't want to have to do that cleanup, and you don't want to have yeah you, you don't want to lose yourself because that is not a happy person. That's not a happy place. That that is that is sucking your ego. It's not sustainable and you, you'll find yourself lonely and um, you find yourself in, in a place where you're, where you're living regret, which is my biggest fear in life is, is having regret. Yeah. I saw this quote the other day on Twitter or something that like regret is much more painful than failure. And I realized I was like, yeah, that's very true because you learn a lot from failure. Long-term failure is pretty helpful. Uh, going on to your concept of it constantly iterating and trying new things. Most of those things are going to be failures, but you know what works and what doesn't work versus regret. It's that l- l- lasting wonder of what if that did work that stays with you for so long. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, fear is, fear is the, uh, is the only reason that, uh, and if we're talking, if we're talking to a younger audience that is interested in becoming an entrepreneur, you know, I think that fear is the is the number one reason for failure. Mm. And and I'm and I'm gonna use and I'm gonna uh, define the word failure because I I love nothing more than someone arguing with me because of uh, uh, nomenclature nomenclature issues. I, are we arguing about the topic? Or are we arguing about the words that you are historically? Yeah. Uh, or you're using your historical bias to assume you know what I'm talking about? or what I'm trying to say. It also could be that I'm not the best with words. Uh, and, and I think I'm weaving a story together and you're, you're hearing something completely different. So failure in, in my opinion is, is that point in which you have decided that something is no longer going to work and giving up, you know, so giving up is, I think the distinguishing point in which something has failed. Because until you have give up, you're just iterating. Failure is giving up. So I, I think it's important to distinguish that, um, you know, definition and I guess gating criteria of failure. Everything else is just iterations. You're just iterating. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Who cares? You've now figured out how to, because uh, in something there, something worked. But there's a few things that didn't work. And so you just need to figure out what, what are the things that didn't work? Uh, but more importantly, what are the things that did work? Right. And, and double down on that because there's, there's a lesson in each one of these, uh, perceived setbacks. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's, that's the key, but it's, it's really fear of, of failure. Uh, but really it's, it's funny because you, you're the only person that can, you know, decide that something failed or not by the nature of whether you give up. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that hits home a little too hard. I totally get that. (laughs) Some, some things you, yeah, with the giving up part, one thing I realized for iterating how the importance of it is, I think about this when I was sending about a bunch of cold emails, I would be iterating, trying new things. Sometimes a part of iterating is the email itself might not work, but you discovered something in that that is your style, that you like, that you want to keep going with. So like maybe it's uh, a sentence or like something you do, something that represents you. The email as a whole might have not been worked. You take it out. 
but you do want to try that other little fun thing that is a piece of you in it. So like with cold calls, maybe a certain like line didn't work, but you liked the way it came out, like the tone of it or the the kind of overall message. So you try that out different times. Uh, to me, that's what I really like about iterating is picking picking what I like about certain things and kind of having that be a part of my own style. Yeah. Well, I think you're, uh, you're, you're baiting me to change the topic. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. Change Maybe away. Entrapment. Uh, <laughs> so yes, I, I, so you're talking about iteration and you're also weaving into being yourself yeah. and being authentic. Um, you know, I think, I'm glad we're going there because I think that's the other key to uh, success is, you know, I, I talked about being in Vistage and being in a room with other people that, you know, I, I was in Vistage before I was a CEO. So imagine the imposter syndrome that was weighing heavy on my heart, uh, being in a room with CEOs, at, at not what being is, a CEO. What's Vistage, by the way? Uh, this is a, uh, it's a, it's a group of, uh, it's a CEO mentorship group and you know, okay, we have speakers come it. in, we meet once a month and, you know, it's an opportunity to grow professionally and personally with, uh, other pe- yeah. people that are experiencing the same things. That was me um, asking for help. I couldn't, I couldn't not know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm proud of you. Look at you. You're growing <laughs> in real time. Uh, you know, so, um, being in a room with a bunch of other people that have been successful, I, you know, you, you get, you know, with the imposter syndrome, you think, oh man, I've got to be like them to be successful. Yeah. You know, but as time went on and as I got over uh, just being uh, in shock and awe, right. I, I think what became clear is that each one of these uh, people had done it their way, right? And they're all very different and they all have uh, incredible skill sets, but they're not the same skill sets. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's back to that self-awareness um, and understanding what you are really good at and leaning a hundred percent into that. And, and just as importantly, knowing what you are terrible at like just got awful at and then figure out how to get people to help you with that. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you don't have to be good at everything. Everybody has a, a, a gift. And so figure out what your gift is and then surround yourself with people that can take care of the things that you suck at and then do it your way. Right. So you're talking about, you know, I like this because it suits me really well. And this is me like it, that should be, you know, something that you apply to really all aspects of your life and, and uh, obviously all aspects of your business. Cause I have, I have some superpowers, but I also have some things that like, I, I will screw up every time without a doubt. Can you give an every example time. of one of each? It, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm relatively charming and uh, r- relatively good at, uh, you know, I'm being sarcastic, right? And being self-deprecating, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm good at connecting with people. I'm, I'm, I love 
chats like this. I love getting in front of groups. And by the way, I wasn't always good at that. I, I, I barfed like uh, Eminem before I got up in front of the company the first couple of times and stuttered my way through that. Uh, but got over myself and, and, you know, if you do things a bunch of times, right, you, you, you get over that fear of, of yeah. everyone's uh, making fun of me. So, you know, there are things that I'm good at. I'm, I'm good at uh, big picture stuff. I love, I love that. I love strategy. I'm, I'm great at that, but I'm really bad at mundane tasks and I'm, and I'm, pretty sure that 70% of the time I, I fail to follow through on those things. So getting help on that is important. Like I, you and I getting on this phone call or this, uh, this podcast, you know, I probably would have, uh, it would have taken 10 times longer if you had just gone through me. Uh, <laughs> and it's not because I don't want to do it. It's because I'm yeah. living in my head thinking about other things and thinking, man, yeah, I was supposed to do a podcast. Man, where is that thing? I'd love I'm, to get that set up, and then my squirrel way. syndrome Shout out would take over. <laughs> oh yeah, thank you. Um, you know, so I, I, it's the mundane tasks that I am really not good at, and that's funny because that's really what our company does. But but there, we've got people on our team that that live for that, and that are super good at that. And you know, so it's about it's about surrounding yourself with people that can that could do the things that you're not good at and just being yeah. a okay with the fact that you're not good at it because you can help people uh, in life by help by having them help you, you know? So I think it's, and the key is, is understanding what you, who you are and what you're good at and, you know, and being shameless uh, and embracing that. I totally agree. That's, and those are, those are very similar to mine. I would say my biggest superpower is talking. I just love talking. Um, listening, being in conversations, meeting people, like any any kind of people interaction is just uh, for some reason, since I was a kid has always been the thing I love most. And then the thing I have the hardest time with is follow through. I noticed that as a SDR, I would do great at cold calling. But when it came to the when it came to like no shows, for example, and like, you know how you want to keep hitting them or like having someone in my sales flow, they answer, they're like, call me back later, things like that, like the actual follow through is something that I need so much help organizing with and like keeping that in track. Uh, so I, yeah. I definitely relate with that. Um, the biggest, like my biggest gripe with the, the common advice of be yourself is it's so applicable to most things, but no one ever tells you how to be yourself. No one ever <laughs> says, no one ever says well. like, this is how you figure it out. You just got to do it and try a bunch of stuff. Sometimes you're going to cross your personal line, but you got to know that shamelessly, now you found it, stick within your boundaries sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, there are ways to go about doing it, you know, and um, oh, so we use EOS. Uh, EOS is an entrepreneurial operating system. It's a, it's a now a fairly large company and, you know, they have uh, consultants that come in and, and or coaches that come in and help you, you and your organization, um, you know, break apart your company and give you a, a common system to run your company. Um, but one of the keys in that is breaking apart the, the functions and the roles and responsibilities across your leadership team and inside your, and across the organization. 
and and really understanding who those people are and and what their skill sets are and and making sure that you have all the right skill sets on your team and and you know going through uh you know they they use the the quadrant of you know right it's really a it's for it's like a magic uh, quadrant where it's the things that you're great at the things and the things that you love right mm. there's the things that uh you don't love that you're really good at right and that's going to drain your ego because it's it's not something yeah. that fills your bucket every day right and there's the things that um you you love to do but you're not very good at Relatable. you know that, that so get over yourself um you're not good at it even though you like it um and then there's the things that you're not good at and you hate right so it's about it's about taking the time to uh, understand who you are and what you are good at so that you can use that uh, cliche be yourself advice right that you have to know who you are before you can apply that cliche yeah. wisdom yeah you definitely have to know who you are first and i think that's where probably my my brush up with that came from is i would hear that before I don't even fully know who I am. I'm still young enough to where I'm I'm trying a bunch of things, figuring things out, but I I'm very happy with the direction in which I'm headed. And it took a while to get there and it definitely is whenever I would hear be yourself, I would go how? <laughs> like how? Yeah. But I well, yeah, I like that. Well, I, I think the key is so there's a couple things in that. The the fact that you're aware that you don't know is a form of self-awareness that's good true you know i i, I think uh you know the, the beauty of being young is that you have so much time yeah and you have time to figure it out right so I, I, it's funny how younger people don't oftentimes have patience uh Very because true. they want everything to happen so fast um you know but they also have the luxury of being able to be patient, you know, so it's a, it's a funny dynamic where those that should be the most patient are the least patient. And as you get older, you become, well, hopefully you become more patient without, if you don't become a curmudgeon or a, you know, a narcissistic uh, ego driven monster, but, you know, in an ideal world, you know, people become more patient as they get older, but they don't have time. They don't have as much time. So it's a funny dynamic, you know, but I, yeah, I think the key is that you don't know, you know, who your true self is and, and not knowing means that you're going to stick in that uh, thought process of figuring it out. And ask for help, what you did, fill up that magic quadrant. And I'm not saying that that's going to be like a, a life changing event, but it is a it is a tactical way to yeah. implement a cliche uh, poster. Now, shifting gears a little bit talking about uh your hobbies what you like to do for fun so one thing i heard is that you know how to rip on the guitar how's that how'd you learn that uh that's that's a spectrum right so <laughs> uh for me i feel like i can rip on the guitar but uh i, I probably couldn't get someone to pay me to get on a stage i yeah. could probably pay someone to get on an open mic uh, night stage um there's a ton of free open mics around town Oh man, I've been going to some. It's pretty fun. Have you? Yeah, I love I play, it. Uh, my brother sings and plays guitar, and then I bring my bass, so I just back him up. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, 
you know, so I was in, uh, I, you know, my parents subjected me to piano lessons, which I loathed as a child. Um, then I was in band, played the trumpet and, uh, was actually in the marching band, you know, so you were talking about being cool. I don't know <laughs> if that was that, I don't know if that was that cool. Although some people would say those super white shoes, uh, and that funny hat was cool, but I, I don't know. If Not it the was trumpet? Cool. The trumpet was sweet. I, I, it's all about what you think is cool. And honestly, people are all, everyone's scared of whether, you know, whether or not they're cool or not. And especially in and, high school and middle school. Uh, oh man. But yeah, exactly. So I did the band thing, uh, up, up until actually I did it the whole, whole time, but I, I did leave the marching band cause I, I, you know, that requires you to sit with the marching band during football games. And I, I was just, uh, I didn't have Too a cool. good grasp on my Too ability cool. to be cool and sit with a marching band, which was, you know, shame on me, but I was young. <laughs> I forgive myself. Good. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, so I had the foundation of music, right. But it, it, it never really, uh, I, I kind of let it go. Um, but started playing guitar when I, uh, had my daughter, you know, and I, I learned how I could play the guitar a little bit, but just a few cowboy chords um you know and then and then had my uh, daughter and and uh so i would fiddle with the guitar while uh during bath time and um you know nighttime and uh that just kind of uh it became a place where i could turn off the the noise in my head right because the the curse of an entrepreneur is that they generally have a little bit of an obsessive personality yeah. So being able to turn off that hamster wheel and and get your uh, to your brain to to quiet down, you know, it really became like a reprieve from my head, you know. And so uh, just playing it and and having my uh, having my kids, you know, it really became this this release for me, and and it's been awesome, and it's been so fun. So am I? Uh, I got a little better and a little better. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny. It's similar to being an entrepreneur. It's a pain in the ass to learn an instrument. It's so hard. It's like a language. It's math. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really hard and you can get frustrated, my friend. Oh man, it's so frustrating. But if you could stick with it and break through it and then have it be a place where you can, um, free yourself of, of the world and turn off your head and really be present which is which is really hard and it's a whole nother talk track you know it's it's uh it's awesome and it it really does fill my bucket and when i'm when i am stressed out and i and i have a hard time you know seeing seeing anything you know that that's a great place for me to turn off my uh you know my wife calls it the hamster wheel or the uh and my kids call it the the circus in my head there's a bear uh standing on a ball juggling <laughs> um and it gives me the chance to turn that off and just to be 100 percent present yeah and it's hard it's hard to be present I, i'm not sure where you are on your meditation journey but turning off and thinking about nothing that's freaking hard so you know for me it's really a form of meditation and uh you know does it sound good it doesn't matter. It yeah. feels good. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. The the thing I love about presence and music is you do get really frustrated when you're learning a new song, especially when you're growing as a musician. And so you're learning songs just outside your comfort level. That hurts because you're trying and you're trying and you know what it should sound like, but your hands just aren't doing what they're supposed to. Uh, what what has helped me a lot and I hear helps a lot of entrepreneurs with decision making is just stepping away from it for a day and then you come back and for some reason that it's like my hands know what they're doing and that's when the presence comes it's when you when you're just able to play when you're just able to play you're not thinking about the song itself you're just playing music I don't know how to describe it in words but you're just expressing your version of a song that you love or your own song that you made up uh, without mm-hmm. thinking about it. And th- to me, that's like the difference between noise and music is it becomes music when you love it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's just like anything. It, it, it It's not natural. And whether, you know, whether that's you chatting with an opportunity or you chatting with your employees or really anything, it's not natural until you put in a ton, a ton of work, a ton of work. Like unless yeah. you know how to play a song and you put in all the work on the theory and, and you know, hanging out with friends and being able to play a song with them, like you've got to put in so much work. And then it's like, wow, that was so effortless. You must be gifted. <laughs> gifted. Yeah. That, no, that's a lot of time by myself doing a ton of freaking work so that it can seem effortless. Exactly. So, I exactly. So, so don't 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 give me that your gifted nonsense. That my friend was a crap ton of work. Yeah. The the and amount that, of times I've heard um like people people who listen to my brother, they'll say he's insanely talented. And I agree, he is very musically talented, but I my room is next to him. So I have seen the amount of hours that he puts into this, like the amount I I've known him for our whole lives. Like I know he couldn't always do that with the guitar, but now he's, he does things where I'm like, Oh my God, that is insane. And it's just one of those things when someone says, Oh, he's so naturally talented. I think that's not like that. The talent, the talents up here in his head, the talent was his ear and his ability to like understand music theory. His guitar is because of straight practice and internalizing the techniques to the point where he just does them in his sleep. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I and I have a funny feeling there are people that are more gifted than him that didn't put any work in. Agreed. So uh, I think that the spectrum of gift is like, it's small. The people that put in all that work Right, that's the delta of people that are good and great and awesome. Is everybody started here? And I think that the, I think that they're all. I mean, pick like three or four people in the in the history of human beings that just were naturally gifted. But everybody else is starting off in this this fairly tight group of people that have the the foundation that can be built upon. There's lots of those, but the people that put in all that hard work that's those are the people that sound good so i i think talented i think talented is also a funny word yeah talent to me is a bunch of people that work their face off that's the difference and you know i I think the other uh the other fun thing with uh 
with music or, or hobbies or whatever, whatever you do outside. You know, I think it is a, you got to do it for fun and you got to do it for fun with work. Right. So I think there's a direct correlation, you know, cause it's funny if I could just get to this place where I could play this song and be that good. And then you get there and you're like, meh, if I could only be this good or blah, yeah. blah, blah. then you get there, you're like, meh. And so it's like, you got to be careful in with your business or level of success or with your music, like, you got to find the love in it because as soon as you get to this place that you're like, man, if I could just get there, it'll change my life. Bullshit. As totally. soon as you have it, you're going to be like, meh, that who cares? Right. And by the way, there was no pomps and circumstance. There was no big parade that you got there. Exactly. No one cares. Yeah. You're doing it for yourself. And so it's like, you got it. You got to give yourself a break and really just lean into the fact that this is something that you love to do and enjoy the journey and not be so obsessed about the place that, that you want to get to because it's anticlimactic my friends that you're the thing that you're obsessing about once you have it meh meh totally it doesn't, agree. It, it doesn't it's not going to change anything so it, it, i think that's uh you know for for those listeners that are young and have an experience that Getting to that place that you think is going to change your life, it ain't going to change your life. It is not going to make you happy. It's- That's a light bulb that just went off in in my head in the past month is I had to put a stop to one of my hobbies because it no longer became, I wouldn't do it for fun. It was a source of frustration of me trying yeah. to get to the next level, not being able to do it because I was too in my head and it would just perpetually anger me and I, I someone I was having this conversation with someone and they were like so why do you do it if this is supposed to be like a hobby to release stress like have fun outside of work why are you putting yourself in this situation of like more frustration I was like hmm, maybe I should take take some time off this this hobby and just do something else <laughs> it sounds like you had a good friend that was willing to tell you the truth you're like why yeah. I mean, you don't just listen to me whine. I just want you to listen. Don't give me feedback. I just want to whine and you need you to tell me that I'm yeah. right. And give me a hug and tell me everything's going to be all right. But, now I have to think about that feedback yeah, and do it. Exactly. Now don't make me come become self-aware. I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> I, I just want to, I just want to be angry and sad. Let me and stew. Yeah. Yeah. Woe is me. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm talking yeah. about something I'm guessing you're super talented in, uh, just judging by the 12 boards in your background. How long have you been surfing? Uh, so I, uh, yeah, surfing is the same thing. And surfing is a, is a hard, it's a hard sport. It is so hard. It is, is unforgiving. Um, you know, so I, uh, and it's the same thing where it's like, oh man, if I could just get to here, everybody would like me. <laughs> if I could just do this or, um, you know, like but, do this trick or, or surf in uh, this certain yeah, wave size. Exa- exactly. And it's funny. Um, yeah, I've been surfing for a long time. And then, you know, every now and again, you know, I'll be like, man, I'm ripping. I am awesome. I'm so good. And then someone will be on the beach recording you and you're like, uh, oh, ooh, is that me? Like, that's not what it felt like. Like, I'm pretty sure I was going faster. And that turn was way bigger. Like that. Um, and that camera just added 10 pounds. So do I really look like that in my wetsuit? <laughs> uh, but it's the same thing. I'm not as tan as I thought. Yeah. Ooh, man. I need to uh, do some squats. That, that wetsuit <laughs> did, 
<laughs> not working wonders. Uh, yeah, exactly. But again, it's, it's, it's getting wrapped around the axles on that, but it, it like getting out in the ocean is the best. Like just get out there and surf because surfing is so much better than not surfing. And just getting out in the ocean, you see a dolphin, even if the waves are crap, like the salt water and being present, like there is, it really is a gift. And, uh, you know, San Diego and, and where we live in Encinitas and I got this little office in Cardiff where, you know, it's, um, <laughs> it's so funny where I, I am frustrated about where I'm at and where we're, we need to do this and we need to be this bigger. We need to do that. It's like, oh man, if you'd have told me that I'm going to live in Encinitas and have an office in Cardiff and I could see the water from my office, it's like, God, I am being such a dickhead. Like that's what, what am I supposed to do? That's going to make my life yeah. better. 20 year old you is like, we fucking made it. Oh dude, I couldn't afford a surfboard to save my life. <laughs> and so now it's like, I got these surfboards and uh, and I got surfboards at home and my wife is always making fun of me about how many surfboards I have. And I've got to hide my, hide my surfboards. It's like, you're like, this one's my surfboard for Tuesday. This (laughs) one's my October only surfboard. I know. And now I don't have time to use them all. It's funny. I didn't, (laughs) I couldn't afford a surfboard to save my life. And I had all sorts of time. Now I got surfboards coming on my ears and I can't have time to write them all. Um, You know, but uh, it's, it's just not fair. but, uh, you know, I, having the ability to uh, have the kids grow up here and, and you know, surfing is definitely uh, uh, a way to stay present and get a break from uh, the life of, you know, being a father and, you know, running a company and all that stuff. But, you know, having getting to ride with my kids and having my kids surf and like watching them stand up, it's like. It's better than any other experience I've had in my life. It's it's way better than surfing by myself and having myself catch a wave, um, or watching my daughter play the ukulele and and sing songs is is such a incredible feeling, you know. So the amount of effort and stress and, and um, you know pain associated with uh, sacrificing your yeah. you know, selfish selfish Steve died the day my daughter was born, and now we have you know, three kids, right? So self-esteem is really dead. Um, you know, but the getting, getting to raise kids and, and seeing them do the things that you love and, uh, you know, the, the amount of pride in that, like that the whole company could come unraveling and uh, down, yeah. crash down to, you know, ashes. But like, that's the stuff that I think I'll regret if I don't experience that more, right? Who cares if the company goes to hell in a handbasket? So again, it's funny keeping that stuff in perspective that if that stuff fails, so what? You got your family. That I mean, that's really all that matters. So am I the best at, ma- at keeping that in the, the forefront of my mind as I, uh, as I, as I, uh, miss some things and, and fly to Detroit for, uh, you know, on Tuesday or Monday night and take a red eye and, and miss things. And cause I have to do stuff that I have to do. You know, I, I'm not uh, always present and not always there, but you know, I, Sacrifice. I try, I, I, I try. It works both you know, so, ways. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So, uh, I don't want to get up here and, and preach as if I got it all figured out, <laughs> but having these conversations reminds me of, about 
what I should keep uh, on the priority list and, and how to prioritize my time because it it's hard to uh, take a step back and reflect on the bigger picture when you're caught up in uh, the day-to-day tactics of everything and getting stuff done and the amount of stuff that needs to get done that like it can never be done. So I could just stay work. I could stay at work until I die. It'll never all get done. So thanks for uh, making me sit here and blabber on and remind myself and, and uh, think through things. And thanks for blabbering. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I've learned a lot. And it does it does bring to mind that this is something that someone told me. There will always be work to be done, but you don't always get those moments back. Like your daughter will not be that same age playing the ukulele. Like that moment will, if you weren't there for that, you would have never got to see that. Um, so yeah. there's always work to do that. You could always be doing more for your business, but that those moments with your family, like that, those are the ones that you cherish when you're older, uh, whether like you, you could have all the money in the world, but w- when you're old, you know, a curmudgeon sitting in your deathbed, what are you going <laughs> to think about how much you made or, or those times that you spent with your family? Yeah. All right. What am I going to do? Get an office closer to the beach? <laughs> exactly. On the beach. <laughs> That's the next one in the sand. Yeah. It's a lifeguard yeah. tower. Uh, yeah, then you'd have, then you'd be complaining about the sand that's on on the <laughs> keyboard. There's always so something. it's there's a, yeah every solution creates another problem. But True. but yeah uh, no I think that, I I think that uh, everyone's searching for this uh, elusive butterfly called happiness. Um, yeah, and what we're just talking about is just uh, gratitude for the things you got, and I think that's the uh, the path towards happiness. Do I do a good job out of it? Probably not. But I, you know, I. But you're self-aware. I am self-aware. I'm. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> All right, now. <laughs> but I finish. think. Yeah, never, never finish. But you know, I think that gratitude is the answer to happiness um, and a good attitude. Because you could talk about all the things you don't have all damn day, but relatively speaking, you know. I, I, just being born in, in, in the U.S. and having the opportunity, uh, you know, they start there. And you can get wrapped around the axles on, on all the political nonsense that's happening today. But you could do that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago. You do that right? at any point in time, yeah. There was always stuff to complain about. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that life was really hard. So don't talk to me about how hard life is. Like, Life expectancy only a hundred years ago was a lot, it was a lot worse, my friends. So, you know, I think, and the fact that you can start a podcast and that 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 content has been democratized, and that you have this yeah. opportunity versus going to work at at uh, you know the to to go change oil at the uh, gas station, right? You didn't. Ha- this wasn't a thing, you know, yeah. just a few years ago. So. If you get to apply your passion, which is chatting with people, and actually uh, figure out a way make a way to make money doing that, still figuring it out, but that's the goal. <laughs> I know, but the fact that that opportunity even exists—yeah, the pursuit—you are stoked. Yeah, Otherwise, this is this is the thing I do that brings me the most happiness and joy. Honestly, it's I love it. Awesome. All right. I, love I have it. Uh, a couple to finish off closing questions. They're quick. So after that, we can just close close up. Um, number yeah. one, what kind of music do you listen to? Yeah, it's funny you asked that. I was, 
was, I had some friends over. And we were trying to talk about that. So I, I think it's called Americano. Hmm. I, I think, you know, but I, I it's, uh, so I grew up in Northern California in Vacaville and, uh, you know, it's pretty rural and, uh, pretty cowboyish. Um, but I'm not a big fan of like, uh, pop country, but I love like, uh, like Tyler Childers and Ryan Bingham and, uh, some other people that you had never heard of, but it's, uh, it's a little twangy, a little folky. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's not my, uh, dog died country music, but you know, I, Oh man, I just love it. It's I've heard so of Tyler, fun. Tyler Childers, the one song, um, I don't know if it's one of his more popular ones, but Feathered Indians, that was a good one. Oh, it's the best. Okay. <laughs> Come on over. Uh, I'll play that on the guitar for you. <laughs> nice. Um, what kind of, uh, what kind of shows or movies would you recommend? Anything you've been watching recently that stands out? Uh, I'm not a, a uh, a show watcher per se. I don't watch a lot of shows. Um, I usually end up uh, watching a, a a video on 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 YouTube and uh, try and learn something. So mm. it, you know, I I you you talked about curiosity, and I, I like that's one of my favorite things about people is people that are curious and being crazy curious. Like there's you, uh, YouTube is amazing. You can learn anything, like yeah, anything, anything. Like it's not talk about the times we live in. It's it's nuts. Oh, it's amazing. And one of our core values at, at our at company at TVC is is innovation, and you know that play on words. And like being crazy curious is a core value of ours. And you literally can learn anything on YouTube from how to be more effective at your job to how to uh, change the headers on my Bronco to redoing the lights on my, uh, my 1973 uh, Airstream Argosy. Like you can learn anything or you can learn uh, your, your favorite pentatonic scale. Like you can learn anything. It's or how to be a better soccer coach for my daughter and the position of uh, of, a striker. Like you can learn everything. It's all there. It's so fun. So I usually end up, uh, watching a youtube video on uh learning how to do something that i'm currently obsessed with what's your most recent one uh well last night i was watching uh videos my son plays sweeper my daughter plays striker so i was watching youtube videos of coaches on how to help uh the the kids be uh, videos on age-appropriate uh drills for kids uh and how to help my kids be better soccer players because nice you're lucky you got one be. of each because now they can do drills. You can have one defend and one attack. Yeah, exactly, right? I just need to have uh, five more children. We could have a uh, under <laughs> Full under team. 10 soccer team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes, that's my answer on shows. Uh, nice. You can learn so much more on YouTube. It's a unique uh, answer. I haven't heard that before. But, I I mean, I'm probably on YouTube at least once a day learning something. That's very, very relatable. It's the best. Don't tell me you don't know how to do something or ask me how to do it. Do you, do you even YouTube? Are you serious? You want me to tell you how to do it? Or yeah. you want me to watch a YouTube video so I can tell you how to do it? Just watch YouTube. Uh, and what books are you reading right now? Um, what book am I reading? Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, The Art of Not Giving an F. Mm. And it's super fun. And it's talking yeah. about... Uh, I heard that's a good one. It, It's good. 
it's a little bit uh there's lots of f words um obviously the they're sensationalizing it by having it in the title. Um, but it's a great, I think there are some nuggets in that book and I think it's worth a read. Um, if it's offensive, you know, be self-aware that there is a yeah. nugget in there to, to, to take away, but it's, it, it literally is a book about, uh, not giving an F and being your authentic self. And, uh, don't think that you need to be someone else to be successful and also be cautious about, uh, what success is going to how, how it's going to change your life. Um, yeah, because I've heard Mark Manson's a great it, author. Yeah, because it's, it's just it, it's just yourself. It's more of yourself when you're successful. So uh, mm. it, it, it's it's interesting. So be careful about what you sacrifice to be successful, because it, it's not going to change you per se. It's just going to make more of you, um, and and that might not make you happy. So be careful what you sacrifice. And finally, where can people find you? <laughs> well, I'm in Cardiff right now. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm really only on LinkedIn. I, I, uh, I've done a few other podcasts and things like that, but I, uh, it's funny. I, I have, uh, either imposter syndrome or some self doubt on, on the, the whole social, social media thing, but I'm really only on LinkedIn. Um, so you could find me on LinkedIn and, uh, Stacy and my marketing team do most of my posts for me so it's it's also uh social media is funny because who's actually posting um uh, you know but uh you could always uh email me or hit me up on linkedin i do reply to messages and stuff like that so if anybody has thoughts or questions i love to uh i love to uh drink a beer or drink some coffee and uh chat through life so um but yeah you'll find me at cardiff or uh at work or at home uh and uh or on the way but uh, shoot me an email or um, shoot me a, a message on LinkedIn if, if anybody has any thoughts or, or uh, feedback on how I could how I could be a better person. Sweet. And Steve, <laughs> we will definitely be getting a beer shortly. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure having you. All right. Thanks for having me.